Hey, welcome to the AOL Podcast. Let's dive right into this week's message with Pastor Travis Bennett. All right, well, if you haven't been here, we've been studying the life of Saul. Well, that's his Hebrew name, his uh, Gentile, or Greek name is Paul, and we haven't quite got to that particular transition yet, but <clears throat> we looked at his, the conversion of his life, of when he was converted, when uh, the Lord says, uh, why are you kicking against the goads? We actually looked into that context of what that meant and studied that. And if you guys need uh, paperwork of what we've already gone over, we have it back there. We'd be, be glad to get it to you. But last week, we see that he gets saved <clears throat> right away. He begins to preach the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's many things we've looked at. One of the things I want to remind us of is this, that God used Ananias. And if Ananias wasn't there, I know that God would find somebody. But how many of y'all want to have a heart to say, God, if you can use anyone, you can use me? And uh, I know, I see this, that Ananias doesn't take any credit for it. He's kind of a secret hidden weapon that's out there. But I, that's my heart's desire. God, use me as a secret, hidden weapon to hear your voice and to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? And that's uh, <clears throat> because how many of y'all know? You never know. You're, uh, when you're standing in line at Walmart, there could be a Saul standing right next to you or at United. Be a light in a dark world for such a time as this. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And then last week we looked at the life of Barnabas on how... Uh, <clears throat> me and Thomas talk, talked about it on the way home, of where I said that last week. If I was to write a book, I'd write one on but Barnabas. How many of y'all know we need to be a Barnabas to somebody of encouragement? He took a chance in Saul's life. Here is a, a guy that has made his living on being a murderer, and God, uh, um, God turned his life around. But still, how many of y'all? I, I mean, I've seen people answer the altar call before. I'm only human as anybody else that I've seen somebody come to the altar before. I will see whether or not it's the Lord. I will see whether or not it's the Lord. Amen. Where uh, from from this time when they, they leave here and the choices they begin to make. Because still, there's, there's sti- we, we saw it last week that we have to renew our minds and um, and stand on the word to do that. And so Saul... Who knows whether or not this guy was playing games or not, but I'm sure he saw on his life, he took a chance on him, took him in, and thank God for the Barnabas in our life. Barnabas is in our life that have taken a chance on us. Amen? How many of y'all thankful for the Barnabases in your life that have encouraged you and lifted you up? Let's look at it one more time. Acts chapter 9, verse 26. It says, And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. But they thought, like many of us would, they were like, hey, this guy, he has a bad reputation. But they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he's with them at Jerusalem, coming in, going out, and he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists. But they attempted to kill him. When the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. So we see here that Paul disappeared from his prominent ministry 
for several years and went into a time of waiting. We're going to see tonight, He picks the story of Saul picks back up in Acts chapter 11. And many um, commentary that I read and many people uh, tells us this, that this is a long period. This is many years where he goes from right out the gate. They opened the gate and it wasn't eight seconds of fame. I mean, it's he is leading people to the Lord. And people are coming to Christ in droves because of the power of God that's on the inside of him and him him having this conversion. But then it just tells us that he is sent to Tarsus back to his homeland. And so he comes into a time of waiting. And I talked a little bit of it last week, but I think there's something powerful in this. Don't we all know that there is a call of God on Saul's life? Would you all agree with that? When you read the book of uh, Ephesians, we've been studying that. When you read through Thessalonica, you read through uh, uh, Corinthians, and you read through, how many of y'all know this guy was led by the Holy Spirit to put, just like the psalmist said, may my lips be like the pen of a ready writer, how God used him to instruct us of so many things that we <clears throat> we stand on today. And uh, But there is a time here where he goes into a time of waiting. And I just, I believe this word is for somebody, then we're going to really get into some nitty gritty after this particular topic of places that God begins to use him. But I believe if he wouldn't have had this time for God to really minister to him and mold him and make him and direct his steps and hear from God. How many of y'all know uh, David uh, was, was who David was because of times in the cave of Adullam? Amen. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I believe Elijah was the man of God that he was because of the times where he was in the wilderness fed by the ravens. There's times in our life that we may not understand, and we see a dream out in front of us. But how many of y'all know if it's a dream from God, it's bigger than anything that we can do? And so we're going to have to have the Lord's help in order to fulfill that dream. And in, in order to have the Lord's help to do that, we need His character. We need His direction. We need integrity. We need wisdom. We need guidance. And in order to have that, we got to have influence and spend time with Him. And so there may be times of waiting. And I wrote some scriptures down here. The Bible says in Psalm 27, 14. And this is for somebody tonight that maybe you, you see yourself doing something. And, and, and it's something big and it's something great. But there's a time <clears throat> there's a time of waiting that you may not understand, but it's for your own good. And in Psalm 27, 14, it says, Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. It says in Psalm 37, verse 7, it says, Rest in the Lord. How many of y'all know it's important that we rest in the Lord? I'm going to say that one more time. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. How many of y'all know it's, we always want to get ahead of Him? We live in a life of hurry today. Microwave society. But how many of y'all know get God's time is the best time? It says, do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because the man who brings wicked scheme to pass. Psalms 37, 34. It says, wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. Psalm 62 and verse 5. My soul, wait silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. Isaiah 40 and verse 31. We all know it, but those who wait... On the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Hosea 12, 6. So you, 
by the help of your God, return, observe mercy and justice, and wait on your God continually. <clears throat> so let's get into this, and there's some final thoughts that I will ha- like to have at the, uh, the end tonight. It says, how many of you have ever felt like you were in a waiting period? Let me see a show of hands from anybody out there. You've been in a waiting period. If you answered yes, I would love to give you some encouragement tonight through the life of Saul. You might be someone who is totally devoted to the action of something right up in the front lines, but you find yourselves not in the position that you used to be in. Even though you might be well-educated, experienced, and gifted in your field, but now you are waiting. If your mind wanders a little bit, it would be safe to say that <clears throat> worry is around the corner that you that you never may be used again. You might be at a place right now uh, where you can't see what the future holds. It may not seem fair to you. And what's really hard is you have done everything that is asked of you and made the sacrifices in order to eventually be put in the game. You are wondering why God has chosen to pass you up. I hate to tell you this, but I speak from experience. It may be a long time before God moves you into a place that you're wanting. I'll put it this way. It won't happen in the timeline that you want it. But how many of y'all would all agree God is always on time? I have found that one of God's favorite methods of preparing me for something great is to send me into a place of waiting. Some of the best things I've ever had, I had to wait for. One sitting on the front row. I love you, honey. But even though you may be waiting, it doesn't mean that you're doomed. James Stalker says, waiting is a common instrument of providential discipline for, for those whom exceptional work has been appointed. Waiting is one of God's preferred methods of preparing special people for significant projects. The Bible makes that principle plain from Genesis through the book of Revelations. Let's just think about this. You ever thought about the waiting that took place in Joseph's life? I mean, did God not use Joseph? Joseph, the Savior of the world. I think about his life so many times of how God set him up of where he was. But the time that he was in the prison, so he's in a dungeon. A gypsy comes by, buys him, takes him now to the land of Egypt where he's now in Potiphar's home. Potiphar's home, you know the whole deal with the scandal with his wife. Then uh, he, she lies about that. Then he gets thrown in prison for two years. But wouldn't that be hard for somebody who had a dream that he knew he was going to change the world? But how many of y'all know in that time of waiting, God was cultivating him? In that time of waiting and being in that prison and having to submit to people that were rude and and, 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 and the people that he's with of complainers. Let me see a show of hands that you're surrounded by complainers right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> watch it. Watch it. <laughs> We're going to have a healing service after, uh, and you're going to need to be in it. All right? Um, but can you, can you just imagine this? But we, we look at Joseph li- Joseph's life at the end, and what a world changer that he was. And how God put everything back together and how, how he redeemed. But how many... How many of y'all know there's times in Joseph's life, if you don't know the life of Joseph, of how he, he's now inside of a prison, and then from there, because um, of, of them, through a list of events, only, I, I'm telling you, like a Jerry Springer story, he ends up inside of Pharaoh's palace where God uses him 
But he had, as a boy, he had a dream that God was going to use him and people were going to bow down to him. But inside that prison system, don't you know there was times that he wanted to throw in the towel and say, God, you're not coming for me anymore? How many of y'all know it pays to stay faithful? I'm going to say that again. It pays to stay faithful. But you know there had to be a hard time in those two years uh, where he was waiting. Think about Moses. Of I love the story of Moses of how he sets up his life. And we, we see this all throughout Scripture, even in the life of Saul. I'm just painting a picture here. But isn't it something that um, we read in the Old Testament that, that Moses' mother put him in an ark? Josephus writes about, uh, writes about this, that um, Moses' mother put him in an ark because she knew that her ancestors were saved when they were put in water and they were put inside of an ark. So she put this little baby, because there was, uh, they were killing all the young Hebrew boys, puts him inside of this ark, sends him down the Nile where he ends up inside of uh, Pharaoh's courts, where Pharaoh's daughter takes him over. But this is only how God works. This is so good how God works. So now he's inside of Pharaoh's home where he will learn Egyptian, talk Egyptian, look Egyptian. But uh, Pharaoh's daughter sends for a Hebrew woman, which happens to be his birth mom, brings him in, nurses him. And as and what, what does she teach him? That we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So not only is he getting the right spiritual context, but God is teaching him how to go before kings and people of royalty. So when it comes time for God wanting his people back, it's going to take somebody who knows how to sit before a king. In fact, when I believe this with all my heart, when he says, I'm not eloquent in my speech, it wasn't for the fact that he was a stutterer. I believe it was this. He hadn't spoke Egyptian in 60 years. He hadn't spoke Egyptian in 60. Do you believe that? That's what I believe. He hadn't spoken in 60 years. And so for him to go back, but think about this. So he, he murders the guy, and he has to, and then he flees, and this is where he ends up uh, with his uh, father-in-law. But that was 60 years of waiting. How many of y'all know Moses knew there was a call of God on his life? I believe that with all my heart. But for 60 years, there was a time of waiting. But how many of y'all know there was some things done in his life? That prepared him to go before and to take God's people out of there for such a time as this. How many of y'all know God's always on time? He may not be on our time, but he's always on time. I think about David. For 13 years, he runs from, from Saul. Not the Saul we're talking about tonight, but he runs from Saul. He's in the cave of Adullam. The Bible says they're all delinquents, right? They're all, I mean, hadn't paid their taxes in 15 years and murderers and uh, you can read the text there of how God puts these people but, but what, what does he do I might be in a room full of reprobates inside of a cave and I'm running from I was anointed as a boy on the battlefield I was anointed not, not on the battlefield I was anointed as a boy looking over my father's sheep and now here I am. I've killed the giant. I killed 200 Philistines to get the king's daughter. And now I'm inside of a cave with a bunch of delinquents for 13 years. 
But he takes that time for God to do something on the inside of him. And then those men became mighty men. How many of y'all know, even in a time of waiting, God wants to use you? Are you hearing me? I hope you guys are getting something tonight. Because this really jumps out on the page of me because there's nothing that's going on in the life of Saul from chapter 9 to chapter 11. And, and commentary tells us this, that this takes some time. But how many of y'all know it takes some time for God to prepare us for how he's going to use us? Come on, if you've got a dream in your heart tonight, and you may be in a place where you're like, you know what, I want to be doing more. I feel like I should be doing this or I should be doing that. Listen, just serve the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. I always say this. People ask me this. What does that wait mean? Well, I believe it means wait. But I also mean, I think waiting means this. I will wait upon the Lord. God, whatever you ask me to do. If it's cleaning toilets, I'll clean toilets. If you want me to mop the floors, I'll mop the floors. If you ask me to be an usher, I'll be an usher. But I'm going to wait upon the Lord. Because the rest of the scripture talks about running. Does it not? You can't run and wait at the same time. <laughs> Come on, you can't just sit around and act like if you, waiting on the Lord is reading the word of God. Spending time in the Lord. Resting in his presence. I'm teaching or not. I'm not preaching. Let me get back to it. I hope you guys are already getting something. Exceptional work is preceded by extending waiting. Extended waiting. Very few people jump into exceptional work. And that's what we would prefer if we're being honest. We would like to think the minute that we walk across the stage after receiving our certificate of completion or a diploma. That we could easily run a multi-million dollar company. But it doesn't always go that way. That's not God's way. He prepares his servants most often through extended periods of waiting designed for honing skills and breaking wills to shape character and give depth. While he works, he waits. We wait. We don't always like the word wait, but we love the word hurry. I would like to say with all confidence that when shaping us into God's character, this word is not in his vocabulary. We like to hurry, so we want God to hurry, too. But he doesn't, not even for someone as gifted and strong as Saul. What he began to find out, God prepared him during times when the whole world was doing fine without him. He patiently, deliberately, steadily molds us in the shadows so that we might be properly prepared for later years when he chooses to use us in the spotlight. That's exactly where we find Saul in the story. The 11th chapter of Acts opens with him still hidden in the shadows as God faithfully continues to prepare him for something magnificent. When we get to Acts chapter 11, we know the revival fire is sweeping across the region and Antioch is in the center of it all. We, want, we went from Acts chapter 9 where Saul gets converted and begins to preach the gospel, then goes on to Tarsus. Then in chapter 10, the spotlight turns from Saul to Peter. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 9, through 17. It says, the next day, as they went on their journey and drew near to the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he, began, then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound on the four corners descending to him and let down, the, down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-rooted animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. 
But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again a second time, like, What God has cleansed you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up in heaven again. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. So Peter received a vision, in a vision, that he was to preach the gospel to the Gentile people. In that vision, a sheet was let down holding all kinds of foods for him to eat. These foods weren't on the diet. Peter wouldn't eat it. He wrestled with his understanding of what the law clearly prohibited, but how God now be making it lawful. How could God now be making it lawful? The Lord insisted that he open his eyes to a new outpouring of his grace to the Gentiles. This was a big turning point in his life. Peter got the message. The result, many believed, including a Gentile named Cornelius. Even the people of Cyprus and the people of Cyrene responded to the gospel. Revival continued to move across the islands of the eastern Mediterranean. By the time this sweeping demonstration of grace reached Antioch, it was electric. The work of God's Spirit was abundantly evident to everyone. Acts chapter 11, verse 19. That's where we'll pick up the story. Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. Preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. What a sight to behold. A time of revival. As many people, different people, were being used by God to proclaim the good news to Gentiles all over. Even the Greeks in Antioch were coming to the Lord through the preaching of certain people from Cyprus and Cyrene. It doesn't stay in one spot, but it begins to spread. Soon Jerusalem was hearing the news, so they sent Barnabas to Antioch. We read in verse 22. Then the news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. Why would they send him to Antioch? Because he was from... Because... He was from Cyprus. The Bible says in Acts 4.36, And Joseph, who was named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus. Now, after last week, I meant to put this in there. Wouldn't you, isn't that something that his name is translated, the son of encouragement? Isn't that good? Since there were people already in Antioch from Cyprus and being effective, why not send him too? He was comfortable with the culture and the people. He knew their language, and he was an encourager. This is a great leadership principle. So the church at at Jerusalem held a business meeting, dispatched him to Antioch. What he experienced in Antioch was beyond his wildest imagination. Barnabas fit right in. Now we get to verse 23. When he came and seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. You know what I'm believing for? In 2023, a great many people would be added to the Lord. Can you all hook your faith up with mine? 
So people were coming to Christ by huge numbers. Go see Jesus' revolution. This is part of this. Notice in the scripture, people were not brought to the church. They were brought to the Lord. Rewind. Let's say that one more time. People were not brought to the church. They were brought to the Lord. How many of y'all know we need to bring people to the Lord? There's a difference. Revival is not about making the membership of the church bigger. It's about adding people to the Lamb's book of life. But it is a benefit to revival because the local church in Antioch began to grow. It was one of the most significant churches in the first century. I love it. It says, and a great many people were added to the Lord. That's a mark of genuine revival. Transformed lives. Scholar A.T. Robertson, who word pictures in the New Testament, writes this. These people were added to the Lord Jesus before they were added to the church. If that were always true, what a difference it would make in our churches. Revival is not so much about what happens in a church. It is about what happens when people repent of their sins and turn by faith alone to Christ alone. The unbelievers of Antioch and in surrounding places were doing just that in every increasing numbers. When God begins to move, you can't stop it because you didn't start it. You can't explain it because you didn't manufacture it. You can't duplicate it because you didn't create it. It is the Lord's hand at work as he moves through the Spirit in and among his people. The lost are saved and the saved are revived. All of this is happening at Antioch, but where is Saul? Saul is living many miles away. Honestly, because he has turned from his wicked ways, he is now living in some Gentile's home. I want you to think about this. Can you imagine here the Jew of Jews... That was raised, the Bible tells us in Philippians, that he was a Jew amongst Jews. Can you imagine when he got home and had this conversion, they're like, you're exiled, buddy. He probably got a few punches to the gut. They're saying there's no way that you can come in. And so I'm sure the only ones that would open up to him would be Gentiles. And I'm sure Gentiles, knowing who he was, they're like, just don't kill me. You can sleep on the couch. (laughs) Right? (laughs) That's what I think. Who knows? Uh, we just know he's not in Antioch. He may be in the shadows for a moment, but he is growing and learning as God is preparing him for exceptional ministry for his future. While he is in Tarsus, Saul lost confidence in the flesh. Many scholars believed, believe that it is during the time in Tarsus where he received the word thorn in the flesh. Where we read in 2 Corinthians, or, uh, 2 Corinthians, Whether he did or didn't at this time is beside the point, but it was close to this timeline that he received some truth. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, this is where it is. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows such a one was caught up in the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressibly words which is not lawful for a man to utter, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Second Corinthians 12, 9 and 10 says, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Don't you love that? Therefore, 
Most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities than the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am made strong. Paul refused to boast about his giftedness. Instead, he boasted about his weakness, that the power of Christ may dwell in me or in him. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's humility. What a perspective to have. He learned to boast in nothing but his own weakness. And he learned all of this in place of waiting. But nobody knew it because of his transformation. Never made the headlines of Jerusalem TV. Acts chapter 11 verse 25 says, Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. Barnabas finally came to a place where he realized he needed help. They needed reinforcements with the kind of growth Antioch was having at the time. He doesn't have the gift, uh, the gifting required or the energy needed to handle this, but he remembers someone who does. So he goes to Tarsus. Saul didn't send him to Saul didn't send him his resume. He didn't call and say, I have something that I need to share. No, he remained in Tarsus, content to remain out of the light as long as necessary. So Barnabas had to search for him, but the Bible says he found him. Acts eleven twenty six, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was <clears throat> that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Saul agrees to go, but now there is no self-promotion. It took some years to get rid of that attitude, but he got rid of it. The thing he once considered great now, he didn't anymore. He wasn't going to Antioch to prove anything or to make a name for himself. He was now going for the right reasons, the reasons he had learned in the time of waiting. Don't you know, on the journey headed for Antioch, the Lord whispered in his ear, Now is the time. Saul's teachings made a remarkable difference because Saul was different himself. In a time of waiting, he had been humbled. Away from all the festivities, he had been given a fresh revelation of the Lord's plan for his life. Out of the great weakness in his minute, out of the great weakness, he ministered with an even greater strength. Why? Because he waited. Patiently and willingly, he trusted God in the shadows. There's a few things that I want to share tonight about waiting. The first one is this. Waiting cultivates patience. <clears throat> How many of y'all know we're all in a hurry? Can we just be honest? I would say that it's young people only that are in a hurry, but can I tell you old people get in a hurry as well? If you don't believe me, just ride around with Pastor Ty, and you'll, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. No, I'm really not. I'm telling you the truth on that. But patience, uh, how many of y'all know patience comes hard in a hurry-up world? It's in a, but I believe this, that patience is an essential quality that only comes in extended periods of waiting. In Psalm 46.10, it says this, Be still and know that I am God. You know, I believe, me and Pastor Brandy, I believe we're a good balance for one another. You know, I, I, I believe this, and I can say this with all confidence. We've learned as a church staff that there is times where we've gotten a hurry on some things. Um, let me see a, a nod, an amen from Pastor Robert right here. That we've gotten a hurry on some things. 
And I, I'm telling you, there, there's, it's so good to just be still and know that the Lord is God. And uh, I want to give you an example of that uh, of times, but in Romans chapter 5 and verse 3, or be still and know, you know, where it says, be still and know that I'm God. I just want to give you what the Lord rose up in my heart was this. Don't panic and recognize, whatever situation it is, is this. Don't panic, but recognize that he's still on the throne. He's still the king of kings and he's still the Lord of lords. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 3, here's, here's Saul or Paul. He says, not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulations worketh patience. And patience, experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the, by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. This is King James Version. I'm really not that smart, but um, listen to this. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Why are tribulations sometimes good? Because a pressing in your life or a crushing, it works patience. Would you agree? Because tribulation will make you say, okay, Lord, I've tried to pull it out. I've tried to think it through. I've tried to make it happen. But now I'm just going to wait on you. And what does God say? Good. I've been waiting for you to get this point, this point across to you for some time now. Now you'll see what I can do. Amen. And then it goes on and says, in a patience experience, what does patience work? Experience. Why? Because when you can't pull something off or bring it about, you're patient uh, before the Lord and you experience his love before, before, experience his love for you in ways you would never have seen otherwise. And then it goes on and says, and experience hope. What does experience work? Hope. Why? So that the next time a trial comes my way, I can look back to the previous experience and rejoice knowing God came through for me once again. I was thinking about this, how it uh, works patience. There's many things that uh, we've waited for, but I thought of this coming to church. Uh, years ago, I say years ago, this is probably four years ago, uh, we were at a different place. How many of y'all know when you first get married? I remember when we were first married, she was pregnant with Addison. And she said, can we go get ice cream? I said, we can't afford ice cream. We are on a budget. And it was really hard for a Jones girl coming to a Bennett home, saying, putting my foot down, saying we're not going to have ice cream. But how many of y'all know the Lord provides? Amen. And we were totally at a different place. And the Lord just put it on my heart. I'm like, I'm going to make my wife happy. And I came to her and I said, I want to buy you a new wedding ring. Because so, the first one I bought you, uh, it, was, it was nice. But, you know, we're at a different place now. And I'd love to buy you one. Well, we started shopping for one. And then I realized I didn't want to buy her one. <laughs> 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 True, huh? We both were like, holy leaping lizards, Batman. We got kids, and there's no way we're going to do this. But we talked about it in the car. I remember standing out, out, out in front of the jewelry store, and I said, you know what? The Lord will give us the desires of our heart. And I, I feel like we pulled the trigger on this deal. I just feel like, you know, let's just, let's just see what God can do. You cannot make this stuff up. Was it like probably six months later? It's probably a year. All right. She has a wedding ring. We don't need another one. It's just the desire of our heart. 
it was a it really was a desire for me for her to ha- have have a nice one and now it weighs her down now but that's a whole different stu- subject <laughs> hey can we just be a family tonight these are normally stories I wouldn't tell on Sunday morning but I'll tell you guys this and uh this guy calls me he's another pastor here in town he's a good friend of mine and he calls me and he says this he says you know anybody who wants to buy a wedding ring I said touche Really? He said, well, let me just bring it by, and you guys go get it appraised, and just tell me what you think. He brings this thing by, and it was like music. You know, when we open it, <laughs> wasn't it? It was way cooler than that, as she says. Holy mackerel. And we're like, literally, when we open it up, I'm like, there is no way. We have priced these boogers, and we know it. He said, take it to this place, get it, uh, get it appraised, see how much it's going to be. And, uh, well, I'll just tell you this. The, the first one that I, uh, that, that, I, that I bought for, they came back on the appraisal, and they said, we know this ring because we built it. But you can, you can get it appraised if you want to. But the diamond on it, it was six. Well, I'll just tell you, it's twenty thousand dollars. Twenty thousand. So my friend, he calls me and says, "Would you like to have that?" And I said, "Yeah, but I mean, we got it appraised. There's no way." He said, "No, you're not gonna pay that." He said, "I, I just want you to pay me what I have in it," and it was less than a quarter of that. It was less than what I paid for her original ring. Come on, you can't make this stuff up. Isn't God good? God is so good. How many of y'all know he gives us the desires of our hearts? He gives us the desires of our hearts. And that I, I'm telling you, if we would have just jumped the gun, we would have missed out on what God had in store for us. How many of y'all know waiting cultivates patience in our life? And you know, it's things like that that makes me not, you know, uh, I, I'm so thankful on, I, not get ahead of myself here. You ready? I, I hope you guys are not judging us and like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she wanted to. I, I'm telling you, I'm giving God glory because he gives us the desires of our heart. Amen? Amen. How many of y'all know, here's the next one. Waiting makes you humble. Waiting makes you humble. And then, well, uh, the ring that we had, I'm going to tell you this, the ring that she had, that we had a whole lot of babies with, we gave it to Lucas and Yinley. Amen? We planted a seed. Because, you know, God, I believe God gave us this ring. We're going to, hey, we'll keep giving. How many of y'all know he gives seed to the sower? As long as he keeps giving us seed, we're going to keep sowing it. All right. Now they're going to have kids, in Jesus' name. Here's the, here's the second one. Waiting makes you humble. In times of waiting, it reminds us that we are not the star attraction. How many of y'all know the Lord is? And sometimes it's in those times of waiting that it's breaking it off of you that lots... I see some people sometimes that they... Feel 10 foot tall and bulletproof. And listen, I've been there before, but we're not indispensable. And coming to that realization will make you humble. How many of y'all know God's time? I've said it before, but God's time is the best time. 
First Peter chapter five, verse six, it says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. In 2015, we had a house that we liked. It was over here on Arden. Was it on Arden? And uh, we actually, we uh, had a contract on that. And I forget all the details of why that fell through, but we had our home right over here on 62nd Purcell. And uh, anyways, our house sales contract falls through on the home that we want. And so we're selling our house and we have no home to go to. How many of y'all have ever been in this experience before? All right. <laughs> we have no home to go into. So uh, Daniel Spittler from Life Challenge, I'm telling him about this. And he said, you know what? We have a home out here. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a single wide trailer. It's a single wide trailer. It's a two bedroom. Well, Noel was just 10. Well, was 10. We had Addison and Anson. So there's three, there's five of us. And we moved in, and, and so how many of y'all know that took some humility to go out of a nice home out of 62nd into this Barnabas home? But we were so grateful for it. And I believe it was a good time. It was a good perspective for all of us to have. And it was a time of, you know, ministry out there, and we enjoyed that time together. But I'll tell you this, looking back, and then, then God... God gave us the home after that time of waiting. We lived six months inside of there, eight months inside of there, a year. We did live there a year. Oh, Lord. It was such a blessing. <laughs> we were packed on top of each other. And this was, um, that was 2000, yeah, so 2016. And then from there, we, we had made uh, one other move. But I'll tell you this. Now, hindsight, looking back on the home that we wanted then and the home that God gave us after that 3924 Eaton Drive there in Puckett, God gave us that house. Like when we walked into that home, it was like the Bennetts belong here. And you know, what? I, listen, I would have loved that home in 2015. I would have loved that home. Come on, I believe I'm talking to somebody tonight. This is for somebody here. Because the Bible, I just shared with you right there, that he may exalt you at the proper time. See, if we would have pulled the trigger, there's so many people that get excited. and they to the. I don't understand you guys on this one. You pull up to the first car lot, and the first car you look at, you're like, yes, I want it. Come on, I'm telling you, uh, waiting will produce some humility that we all need in our life. I'm just giving you this example tonight because... I'm thankful for that time of waiting while we didn't understand while we were in that home that we're in that from the home that we came from. But you know what? God promoted us at the proper time for the right home for the Bennett family. And if he did it for us, he'll do it for you. Those who are humble will be exalted. Immediately? No. But they'll be exalted in due time at the perfect time. Here's the next one I want you to see tonight. Waiting will give you depth. Um, He will reveal new dimensions of himself and new insights that you need for your future. What we need today is not smarter or busier people. We need deeper people. Guy was giving me a uh, 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 um, guy that I shoe for. He brought me some horses uh, a couple weeks ago. And he just retired from a job. He was <clears throat> he sold trucks here in this uh, for a great business on I forty for a long time. 
and he was their salesman for 40 years. Well, this young kid gets out of school, a four-year degree, and they send him uh, with him, and they wanted him to go with him for a year. Well, they were three months in, and this young kid, zealous, ready to work, set the world on fire, He's like, I don't need him anymore. He's just dragging me down. He makes this big fuss before all of them. He's just telling me. He said, all right, I'll go ahead and retire early. He'd already had his pension and all that. But I just wanted to help the business out because they've been so good to me. And I'm willing to stick with this kid for a year and take him to all these different places. Well, this kid just gets a little zealous and says that he's dragging me down. I can't do it without him. They call him back six months later and say, can you please come back and train this boy? He said, you know what the boy needs more than anything? He needs some coffee pot knowledge. He just needs to learn how to talk to people. He just needs to learn how, how, how to humble himself. But how many of y'all know uh, there's uh, being deep like that doesn't happen overnight. It has to be cultivated. And it's at a time of waiting. It's at a time of serving. And God deepens us through time spent waiting on him. I told you uh, before tonight, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And I'm telling you, there is, there, you'll go to a deeper place in your walk with Christ when you just say this, Lord. If you can use anyone, you can use me. I'm here to serve. And I'm here to do whatever you've called me to do. Go wherever you've called me to go and do whatever you've called me to do. And I'm telling you, God will elevate you. And it may feel like a time of waiting but you are waiting. You're waiting on the Lord. I hope you're getting it tonight. Here's the last one is this. Just one more last thought was this. Waiting will make you effective. In God's time, timing, it will come at a time least experienced and when you feel the least qualified. So when you feel that place of least qualified... How many of y'all know it's his qualification that makes the difference? And it not only makes you grateful, but you're also surprised. Like, think about Gideon. Here's a guy that was hiding his harvest because of the enemy. And what does the Lord tell him? Or what does he tell the Lord? I'm the least. I, I, we're, we're the least uh, of all my people. We, in all of Manasseh, we're the least. And God goes, I want to use you because it's not you, it's me. But I want to use you. How many of y'all know in that time where he's threshing wheat in, 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 um, in, in, on the inside there? How many of y'all know there's times that he was thinking to himself, is this all I'm going to do with my life? Is this all that I'm going to do? But then God shows up in that time of waiting. He shows up, the one who he thought was least qualified, but God used to turn a nation around. I'm telling you, God still wants to use us. And there may be, you may be in a time of waiting right now, but I just want to remind you, it'll make you effective for when God promotes you in the right time. Well, we want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We pray that you heard from God and that this message was for you. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps us reach more people with this message. Arena of Life takes pride in connecting to God, to church, and to people. And we want to connect with you. So don't forget to check us out on all social media platforms, to check out our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, 
and to download the Church Center app and to choose Arena of Life as your church. And a special thanks to those who make a difference by giving generously. You help us change lives and produce weekly content like this that reaches the world. If you're interested in partnering with us, you can give by clicking the link in our bio through the website arenaoflifechurch.org or through the Church Center app. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.